Hi, this is Yam Karkai. And Raphael Malavier, we are two of the four co-founders of World of Women. A project leading the charge to expand inclusivity and diversity in the Web3 and beyond. We're here on the edge of NFT, the podcast by NFTLA, the event that attracts and empowers the true diversity of leaders and changemakers from all walks of life. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how World of Women is deliberate and effective at expanding its reach with the World of Women Galaxy release and the get-back work of its foundation. Why today's guests might know each other's edge-quick hitter answers better than themselves. And how Little Heroes is about to make a big splash with its TV show and introducing little villains to the world, all while making big moves in social impact, too. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to 2023.nftla.live to get on the whitelist for tickets to our bigger, bolder, and better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Yam Karkai, Chief Creative Officer, and Raphael Malavier, Head of Partnerships, who are two of the four co-founders of World of Women, a community-centric brand celebrating art, representation, inclusivity, and equal opportunities for all. World of Women focuses on bringing more diversity and representativeness into the NFT world while creating a safe, welcoming space for women and minorities and also supporting up-and-coming artists. From helping people who are new to NFTs navigate the Web3 space, to creating and sharing inspiring derivatives, to cultivating a welcoming environment for everyone, the World of Women community is inclusive, optimistic, and uplifting. Welcome, Yam and Raf. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure, guys. An honor, really. We're all about increasing adoption and understanding of Web3 and this amazing thing we call NFTs. And you guys have had such an incredible global impact on the industry and and brought so many people into the space. So such an honor to have you both and would love to start by just learning a little bit more about the founding story and what inspired you to launch World of Women. Sure. So World of Women was created by four friends. We're all four of us co-founders. And I really wanted to make World of Women happen because I felt like there was a very serious issue in this space. And I was frustrated by it and I wanted to fix it. And I felt like through World of Women, we could start a change and they switch in this Web3 space into making it more inclusive and more representative of women and diverse people. So that's really why it started, how it started, with who it started, in a nutshell. Cool. And how did you get together with your three (laughs) co-founders? So uh, one of my co-founders, Raf, who's here today, he's actually my husband in real life. So this is how we... (laughs) 
got together to do World of Women because we were literally together. And our other two co-founders, VA and Toma, are actually friends from real life. And they used to work with Raf in the same company. They did. So these are people that we've known for several years. And it was kind of the ideal situation, really. Yeah, at least you know that you're going to get along and you can kind of skip some parts of that storming, forming, norming process that new companies have to deal with. And that probably has something to do with like your staying power and how much you've accomplished in such a short time. It's very possible. Yeah, we like to believe it for sure. And I think it helped a lot. It might have been very difficult for Yam, even with my support to launch the product if we didn't have this relationship in real life. Because at the time, we weren't too sure how to find actually the people that would help us develop the smart contracts and the asset, develop the website, create also all the strategy that was that was behind it. Because Yam yeah. and I, by, by procuration, were really invested in the single edition artist side of things than in the collectible arts at the time and the collectible collections, sorry, the PFPs. So it was really, uh, do you say serendipitous? Probably not, but the world is beautiful. It's a nice word. I think that may be the case. So look, we talked a bit about like motivation for launching the project. And we had this stat that jumped out to us from last year, some of these metrics that are out there. And it was that female artists accounted for just 5% of all NFT art sales in the previous two years. This was published in the end of last year. Now, how is World of Women working specifically to create more opportunities for really anyone around the world to be owners, creators, and contributors to Web3? I think that the simple reason that World of Women exists and that World of Women gave women and diverse people a PFP that they felt related to was already a big help, I think, in this switch in the space. But what we've been doing from the very beginning and that we knew was going to be like part of our DNA, basically, was actually giving back and supporting diverse artists from the beginning. And so since we launched, we've been collecting art pieces almost every day spotlighting those artists, telling their story, why we've collected that art piece, and, you know, really putting incredible talents forward under new eyes. So these are just a few ways. We also have our foundation. We're building our university right now. These are kind of our next steps in our journey in education and onboarding the next wave of people. And of course, we've also had from day one a philanthropic side where we're giving back as well to different associations and different issues that are close to our hearts. And most of the time, those conflicts or issues or places that we donate to have a lot to do with women and children and minorities, because usually they're the ones that are the most affected by it. And so we think that the mix of all of that makes it for a very inclusive environment for women to actually join and want to learn about Web3. Just going to add something here. It's something I realized after asking our community because they kept saying, as Liam said, it's very safe and inclusive, this environment of world women on Discord, notably. And I was asking, why was the difference? And they were telling, they felt like they could say something, they could come in, ask questions and not feel like they were, they were being stupid and pushed back. That made the first step inside the space was actually enjoyable, really, for a lot of people that yeah. for whom it wasn't enjoyable before. So I think that's been a big difference. We have a number of different give back initiatives for the company, but it's something we're looking at giving a good amount of focus to and directing our efforts an even more focused way as an organization. And we've definitely found as part of our DNA that raising awareness and education is such a key piece of the puzzle 
for everybody. And we feel like we're in a distinctive position to do that, given our place in media and events. And so it's something that we're looking at and thinking about how do we amplify that even more? Because for no other point in history have people had as much access to opportunity as Web3 represents. But there's this piece of education and awareness that's the bridge to really even let people know that that opportunity is there. Many people don't even know that it's there or have just that that initial piece of knowledge that they need to take that step forward. This is a really important special time in history. And you all are right at the center of really moving us across that bridge to really meaningful changes in the world. So exciting stuff. Yeah. And I totally appreciate this idea of making unintimidating because it is intimidating. And I just can think of all the onboarding experiences I've had with friends and how much of a personal touch was required whether it was someone older or someone that just hasn't been immersed in technology, there's so much that's intimidating about Web3 and just the idea of collecting digital art. I mean, it's an intimidating concept if you've never done it before. So with such an ambitious set of initiatives, which we can dive into a little bit more, the natural question comes is how do you measure impact? And what are you looking at in terms of your primary metrics today? And where would you like to see these metrics go? I'm going to take this one actually with an answer that might be disappointing, that, but also very transparent. We've been going very fast recently in terms of organization. But to be fair, until then, we didn't have time to set up a good organization or a framework to actually measure our impact. It's actually one of our goals of second half of 2022 to actually become a data-driven company with clear goals and way to measure the results of what we're doing. But until then, it's been actually very hard to measure the impact. I think Yam might follow up on that. We've seen lots of women-centric collections pop out. We've seen way many more women acting in the space, but it's hard to put a figure or a number on it. For me, that would be the biggest things I've seen that comfort me in saying, okay, we made an impact. Yeah, I agree with you. But we're getting better at having actual numbers in front of our faces for sure. Well, I think with the foundation that you're doing, you can look at sort of the impact of the grants that you give. And I'm also thinking there's definitely like a number around, not that you asked for my thoughts on this, but just the number of pieces that you've collected, the number of artists that you've supported. I think these are very meaningful numbers. Yeah, there's been more than 300 artists supported through the foundation so far. And basically what we do is we place bid or we purchase art under 0.3 is from anybody. It's not only women, it's diverse people, it's artists that are new, artists that are more established. And we believe each one of those has an impact on their life. We've seen beautiful success stories of people selling a lot after the World of Women found who purchased their art. That's definitely been something. Another one that we didn't mention, but we gave a lot of money to charity, more than 1 million, I think 1.2 million to date. And we are looking in the next few months to reach 2 million. But we don't like to see the impact as just money given. And we'd like to see the impact more in terms of lives changed or schools built or a well built or trees planted. And actually on this aspect, one of the biggest impact we've seen was a school being built in Kenya by the NGO to whom we donated as part of the initial pledge of World of Women. So that was really beautiful to see a month and a half ago, this school actually being built. Yeah, that's, man. Wow. So, yeah, so amazing. And since you mentioned that topic, We're looking at sort of the educational side of things with high schoolers, with elementary school, but also thinking about principals. Like 
if we can educate principals in schools and they can educate the teachers and those teachers can educate the students, there's something really powerful about that effect. And it's just really interesting to think about what it takes from a grassroots level to really get this type of knowledge out to the masses. So really cool what you're doing there. Do you have plans to reach out to principals of schools? Yeah, let's talk at the end of this episode and I'll share some of the things we're working on. But really key point in there is not just measuring the dollars that you give, but the impact of those dollars and thinking about that as you build partnerships and measuring the outcomes of them and seeing those and the tangible outcome, like building a school, like, wow, that's special, right? Seeing that ROI on the back. So for others thinking about structuring give back programs, that's a really key element of it that is often overlooked. It's also even more important for us to see that it has a positive impact, not only on artists on this space, but on the world, because we are in a business that today it actually consumes a lot of energy. And I mean, this energy has to be done for not only for business, it has also to be done for good. So that's why it's important for us to figure this out. Until the energy consumption of the business and of the industry is, slows down, it's very, very important for us. Well, it's very obvious. So we want to dive even deeper, I think, into your give back program in a moment. But let's also take a celebratory moment because the World of Women one year anniversary is upon us. I think it's coming up next week, right? July 27th. Congratulations on that. Major milestone for the company. Thank you. We're very excited. We can't believe it's been a year. <laughs> it flies, right? It flies by. And so I wanted to take this moment, though, and we talked about some things you've already accomplished that you're very proud of, but let's look back over the last year and talk about other partnerships, initiatives, programs that stand out to you as the most impactful on your vision. And you guys have done a ton of stuff, worked with Christie's, Hello Sunshine, Monopoly, World of Women Foundation, Billboard Women and Music Awards, the NYC Madonna Party. Vinci Airport exhibit. I mean, the list goes on. It's crazy that it's only been a year and you've got all these things rolling. But what stands out to you? Like, what are the things that you get most jazzed about that happened over the last year? Gosh, I keep saying that this is the most difficult question that people can ask in an interview or a podcast because it's really impossible, I think, for us to just choose one, you know, or like the top three or something. But overall, for me, it's been the people that we've gotten to meet and to work with and to partner with has been one of the highlights for me of the journey. I've gotten to connect with people that I probably would have never connected with if it wasn't for World of Women and for what we're trying to do here. And that has led us to incredible opportunities such as Indeed Christie's. That was that for me personally as an artist was a big highlight of the World of Women journey. It was really an unbelievable moment and many of us were to get together while that was happening and it was very exciting and very moving. Also, we've been talking about that a lot, the giving back, but for me, it was very special to see that for the first time in my life, something that I built was allowing me to actually help causes that I was never actually able to support before World of Women because I just simply couldn't afford it. I couldn't do it. And so that was huge for me as in, on an individual level. And talking about meeting incredible people along the way, we've built like really special relationships with a lot of the members of our community, not only the people that have been there since day one, but also others that came along. And those relationships have ended up opening doors to different partnerships, like, for example, Hello Sunshine with Reese, Reese Witherspoon. She was an incredible supporter since really early on. 
And meeting Reese led us to Eva Longoria and to Huda and to Marge and Gwyneth Paltrow. And then we ended up meeting all these amazing, strong women that are doing great things. And it's been just very inspiring in our journey. And they've definitely motivated us along the way to keep doing what we're doing because it's kind of an approval from the outside as well that what you're doing matters. So yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's yes. exciting. Okay, yes, and and. It's the fun thing is we actually met them after they had already helped us so much as well online with their, of course, their platforms. And it has been very, very authentic, all of this for us. And the authenticity carried out from the support they provided to us online, even when we met them in real life, which was actually a bit crazy for people we looked up to, I mean, a lot of our lives. It's amazing. And it's a great testament to what's possible in this space and how fast things can move if you do everything with intention and commitment and vision. And you've inspired so many people. I'm happy for you guys when you hear all this stuff. I'm enrolled. I don't know any other way to describe it from Thank an emotional you. perspective, but it's really cool. Thank you so much. And we've experienced a pretty wild year in a lot of ways too. I mean, when we started the podcast, we didn't necessarily anticipate we would have a conference with almost 4,000 people you know, in less than a year, right? And this is just sort of the magic of this space that we're in. As we talk about sort of all these impact initiatives in the DNA that sort of guides you, I'd love to understand a little bit more about how you look at give back in your planning. For example, with the program, the World of Women Emergency Fund and the Art Fund, like how does that fit into your planning process? We were lucky actually last year to meet with Ina, who's our head of philanthropy and who's building with his partner as well, our own company in, within Web3, which is called Code Green, to help support real life projects through Web3 initiatives. And she's been on board since day one with us on this philanthropic aspect. That's why we pledged a big amount of the earnings to them and we trust them to find the best way actually to allocate those funds to the best people to make sure they have the maximum impact and to avoid just pledging money to big organizations where we're not sure where the funds are going. And really, actually, we had this call. It's funny, yesterday morning to make sure and to put a stamp of approval on the allocation plan for this whole year. Actually, there's going to be 10 different thematics that we're going to be covering. We're probably going to be talking about them each month, but we're probably going to be donating the money as soon as possible so that it can as, have an impact as soon as possible as well. And the way we do it really is we have really literally someone plus their team dedicated to this in-house. That's the way we do it really. It's not just a side, a side gig. Cool. Yeah, I think you know, our recommendation to folks that have tried to incorporate giving back as part of their companies is that you have to put it front and center it has to be part of the planning process. Otherwise, it becomes an afterthought. And that's unfortunate, especially when you have that authentic desire to give back and incorporate it into what you do. If you don't put it front and center as part of your planning process, that's where we've seen it go. It ends up being secondary and then it's an afterthought and the impact is just way less than you ever intended it to be out of the gate. And there's also a bit of even being proactive about it. It's not just, okay, we're giving away money. There is an, an aspect of challenging the organization you give money to, to give you back and to show you what they are doing, challenging them to actually do something with the money and go all the way. Maybe it's presumptuous, but I mean, I think they did. And from what we show working with Kogrin and Ina, they are doing a great job at that, at making sure the money is used to help people and to also help the planet. Yeah, for sure. And so as you continue to release projects and form partnerships and do fun things, your latest collection is the World of Women Galaxy. 
And we wanted to know, like, how is this particular collection taking things to the next level for World of Women? How's it different from your original collection? And where should we expect things to go from here with that project? Well, first of all, it has allowed us to onboard a lot of new people into our community that were not able to join us before that for many different reasons, but one of them being that it was not accessible for them, financially speaking. So we got a lot of incredible people on board. That has been great. I don't know the exact numbers, Raf, but what are the numbers now? We have like a really great number of unique holders. More than 17,000 at this stage. 17,000, yeah. 17,000, 17, I believe, yeah. But yeah, wow. or maybe 13, I have to check if it's a mutual or mutually exclusive. Yeah, so that has been really impactful for us and just a very, very positive thing. Also, the fact that the World of Women Galaxy collection, thematically speaking, is so different from World of Women. So the theme is all about the future, sci-fi, some fantasy. There is an entire lore behind it that we had been building since last year. And so the World of Women Galaxy Collection has really allowed us to dive really deep into the lore and the storytelling of World of Women overall. And so it's been very inspiring and very fun for us in that sense, because many of us at the company are big fans of video games and sci-fi and fantasy books. So it's been a really fun journey to be able to actually develop a storytelling for all of this based off of that collection. So I think those are three things that have been very great that we've achieved through yeah. the second uh, collection. Actually, this story, uh, we started working on it since November last year, the expansion yeah. of the brand. Because World of Women, we see it as it's this very classy, this very universal brand around women and diversity. And it's good for us to have another IP more gaming-oriented, more fun-oriented, a bit more crazy. Even the art of Yami is way crazier in World Galaxy. <laughs> so that's two IPs for us also to have available for partnerships because brands are interested in partnering with the IPs that we've created and to stand behind the same values as we do. So it's really, really great for, for that matter. And I'm really looking forward to the story, looking forward and the different activation we'll have and leveraging WoW and WoW Galaxy and the relationship between those. I will say one of the cool things too, in terms of like IP ownership and usage of those rights for these holders and the NFTs themselves. We had Marta Belcher from the Filecoin Foundation on, and she's the general counsel there. She's a tremendous background in copyright and intellectual property. She has some really interesting ideas on that. And if you guys ever want to explore like creative ways to leverage that part of World of Women, the original collection, World of Women Galaxy, and any future collections, she has a really distinct perspective on this and an amazing background on how to structure things in a way that work really well legally from an intellectual property and copyright perspective. It's really hard to get attorneys to share distinct perspectives like this in this space because there's so much legal liability and so on. But she's a really special person, someone that at some point I might consider talking to if I was in that spot that you guys are in. So Marta Belcher. I'd love to get in touch. Yeah, we'd love yeah, to happy to. And she's actually the chairwoman of Filecoin Foundation as well now. So she's at the top of the food chain over there. And doing some really amazing stuff. We just had a show with her two days ago. So it'll air right before our show. So definitely one to check out. You've talked a lot about sort of your broader vision, the new collection coming out, which is really exciting. Wanted to just kind of go a little deeper there in terms of what the next year has in store for you. I know you want to deploy this capital over the next few months, get into metrics, any kind of 
brand partnerships on the horizon, anything else that we didn't cover that's on your roadmap for the next year? Well, I mean, for the next year, as far as we know, and what we can tell you is that there are new partnerships ahead that we're excited about. So we're going to keep on exploiting the world of women and WoW Galaxy IP, as this is a very important part of our business. On the other hand, we're going to dig deep into digital identity. So I cannot talk much about that right now because this is something we're currently developing and it's a top secret if you want to call it like that. But we're working on the future of WOW as well, another side that is not related to our IP. And so we're excited about that. And I know that sounded really cryptic, but I feel like I can't say much more about it. Actually, we've given a lot of clues on the vision that the community gave us and the vision that we had for the brand through, through a star map that we released in April, which is really a big visual of the different aspects and peripherals where we can grow. And of course, the licensing is a big part of things. So within content or, or physical goods, of course, the community and the foundation is key and is one of the pillars of what we're doing. But we are working on the Web3 innovations there on how to integrate NFTs in people's daily life without people having to see them as financial device or as investments and speculative stuff without value. So we're really working on making NFTs logical for everybody and not just- And accessible as well. Yes. We really believe that in the long-term NFTs have to be something that's financially accessible to everybody. And so this is something that we're going to have in mind as well in the future yeah. of WoW. Yeah, I mean, just looking at your Galaxy collection, you've doubled the amount of owners of pieces and the price point's more affordable for someone that's sort of entering the market or wants to be part of the community and whatnot. So that's really great too. That seems like another benefit of that additional collection. Yeah, and increasing accessibility, of course, allows you to reduce that purchase price, right? If you can reach more people um, and still generate the kind of value for the users. And then of course, capture some of that to redeploy, right? So there's a virtuous cycle there and we're so early, right? We're so early in this whole process. So and um, it probably has to come from something different, the acquisition than Twitter. It has to come from something different than Twitter, where you have to learn and understand how it works and then being drop happening on the website. It probably has to come from more mainstream places where people already are and are already used to acquiring, acquiring things. So that will help. Yes. Very good point and agreed. So last question of this segment for you, we'd like to ask all of our guests this, and this is really about what else is inspiring you these days? Web3 projects, concepts beyond the space, individuals, advisors, what is it that drives you forward, that inspires you, that challenges you outside of your day-to-day work in World of Women? Actually, it's always been a lot about looking at what everybody else does that's successful, because I tend to always think, why didn't I think about it? Or why didn't we do that? And this is a great idea. They're doing great. And I mean, I'm looking really at all those collections that are doing great. I think, mm-hmm. that, of course, what you guys have been doing has been really an inspiration since the beginning. It would be, it's very obvious. Clonex is very successful and does really, really great stuff. They all do very impressive stuff in NYC. And it's always good to look at the best in class and the people beside you doing great things and get inspired. I think it was, yeah, get inspired. You all have to be inspired. You can't just go from scratch and always do something amazing from scratch. Yeah, that's not realistic. And it's also, I think, a very 
selfish way of thinking about things. We're all inspired by others. We all learn from others. There's always going to be someone that's better than you. And that's good because you get to learn and you get to improve what it is that you're doing or that you're building. And I think that we've always had this mentality of learning from what works since the beginning. Like that's really how we decided what we were going to do and not do when launching World of Women, for example. We were just analyzing, learning, doing homework, taking notes of what works, what doesn't work in different areas. Was it like marketing, social media, or just the way people were structuring their collections? So I think that it's always important to stay really humble about that and always be open to improving and learning. And that's what we try to do. Even at the very beginning, I remember very well, even before thinking about World of Women, it was just the single edition art. We would attend every Saturday, collectors (laughs) roundtable, collectors in the space that would collect one-on-one art. And we would just learn there and we would be inspired by, wow, they are so successful. They are doing so well. And we would actually take notes and share to the community the meeting minutes of those that people learn and can try to grow. I remember very well doing a lot of market research and I was looking up to the bulls on the block, to the wicked craniums, <laughs> to, at the time it was the dead heads and the house of goats, I believe as well. And I mean, all of those products, they inspired us as well. And they were like, wow, they're doing so yeah. well. Since we launched, we are probably way more focused on ourselves. And as we grow, we're going to have other people and community members and moderators help us have this overall vision of the market and tell us, hey, you should look into this. And In real life, I'm also very inspired by our dog that's always happy. So I'm trying to be inspired by that. (laughs) He's always happy. happy. That's a good long-term goal, right? (laughs) So let me zoom in on just like one point to elevate even further for our listeners. And that is being humble and willing to learn from those that are doing great things and those that have come before us. I feel like there's such a focus on being disruptive and innovative and doing something new in the world of Web3 that we forget that there's a lot of folks that have been here and done that for a very long time in core business, in technology, and already in the world of blockchain. And we don't want to discount that. And I feel like sometimes folks do, oh, that's Web2 thinking. Well, there's a lot to learn from that to then take forward into this next iteration of what we're doing. Things like even fundamentals around copyright and intellectual property, for example. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's people that have thought of this for a really long time and smart people like Marta that we mentioned before that are now applying it to what we're doing in this next iteration. So really appreciate you highlighting that point. So that is the end of segment one. We really appreciate you giving all the background and world of women and all the fun things that are happening and so much more, it sounds like, to come that we'll be waiting on the edge of our seats to hear about. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. 
Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Let's move on to segment two. This is a section that we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's a fun and quick way for us to get to know you a little bit better. These are 10 questions that we ask every single guest of our show. And we're looking for short, single word or few word responses, but we may dive in a little bit deeper if we get the urge. You guys ready to jump in? Nope. Nope. Okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) That means we're ready to go. All right. So we'll work our way between you guys for these questions. So let's start, though, with the M. Question one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? A Michael Jackson CD. I was a massive fan as a kid. Awesome. That's a great one. I think that may be the first Michael Jackson appearance we've had on the show so far. That's great. Raf, how about you? (laughs) Probably sweets. When I was four years old or three years old, sweets. Like candy? Sweets. Candies, yeah. Sweets. Yeah. yeah. With grandma's money. With Yvette's money. (laughs) I see. Yeah, do you have some candy sitting around the place right now? Not right now, but now I have a girlfriend in the arm and wife, so yes, <laughs> careful with, I'm, no, I'm I'm careful with this. Jeff, I'm realizing that this is like a couple sort of special bonding experience that we're creating here, where they're going to get to know each other better from doing this uh, set of questions. Well, let's keep going then. Question number two, yeah, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Okay, so this is a weird one. I think that when I was like seven or eight, I thought that I could do uh, rose perfume. So I tried to make rose perfume in my backyard and then I went to my neighbors to try to sell that. So I think that was my first attempt at selling a product that I made. Uh, and I mean, I sold one. <laughs> so I would say that's the first thing. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So you made the sale, which is good. You had at least some product yeah. market fit, right? Very innovative. Yeah. That's cool. Raf, how about you? It has to be a Magic the Gathering card. Probably yeah. I was eight years old, probably. It has to be a card. I was dealing Magic the Gathering card very early on. Awesome. Yeah, Magic. Magic has shown up it's before cool here. Kid. Oh, yeah. There's a thread there, Magic the Gathering, that inspired a lot of people. Question number three. Yeah. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Watering can. Watering can? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I that just bought right. a simple watering can. That's the last thing I bought. Awesome. Raf, how about you? I believe it was a hammock that I have yet to receive. Ah, <laughs> hammock. Nice. Yeah. Do you have some trees yeah. you're going to put it in or do you need a hammock we stand? Do. We have some oh, trees. Oh, nice. Nice. Very nice. Question number four. Yeah. What is the most recent thing you sold? <laughs> the world of women in NFT in the secondary market. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Raf, how about you? I probably sold some USD for some ease. <laughs> I probably 
Oh, if that counts. Yeah, I sold for it's a trade, but it's a... that does count. Hopefully before the big pump recently. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was good. It's good times either way, I think, on the ETH acquisition front, uh, no matter how you cut it. Question five, yeah. What is your most prized possession? I'm going to say my dog, but that's I was going to say, do you hold your dog? I was sure you were going to say that. So, so, it's not an object. Well, actually, we had someone give us a legal opinion on that. And in cats and dogs are actual legal possessions. If you chose to go that way. Absolutely, my dog. One hundred percent. There you go. And Raph, Raph, you? you better say your dog, or I'm gonna kill you after this podcast. Can we co-own her? We are co-owners. Yes, of course. We're both her parents. Oh, that, that would be her then. And then after that, it's most likely my bald ape. That's odd, but that's true. Yeah, no, dude, we want it. That's an authentic response. We appreciate it. This is the happy dog. The happy dog. All right, we will reverse order now, Raph. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I don't worry too much. I don't worry. Unless it's very important. No, I don't worry. I'm chill. Chill. That's going to be mine. Nice. Yeah, how about you? Care. I care a lot about people. Yeah, absolutely. Caring. Absolutely. I like that. Question seven. Raph, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation. What would it be? <laughs> Your eyes got so wide. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is. Okay. I was waiting I for it. <laughs> Probably I like to do everything. I can do something that doesn't have a purpose. Like I have a hard time just going for a walk. I need to have something to do with my walk. I like to have my time always be efficient for something, one of my goals, which can be annoying for people around me. <laughs> is this confirmed, Yam, or... Uh... How do you feel? Yep. yep. <laughs> okay. You can pass that to the next generation. I don't know what the word is for this, but. Understood. Uh, How about you, Yam? I would say either my lack of patience for certain things or maybe my obsession with order. I think I would give that away so I can Got be it. more chill. <laughs> That's a real shelf behind you, right? Yes. Yeah, it could be a background, an official background, because everything <laughs> is so perfectly placed. Thank you. you. Know, so uh, I can see that. I can see that. Okay, moving on. Question number eight. Raf, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? It would probably be snowboarding or windsurfing with someone that's a legend and that I've looked up to. That would be one of those. That would be something money cannot buy, I think. Yeah. I don't know if if it's for sale, though. If it's not for sale, though. But that's probably like this kind of experience, I think. Well, I don't know. Right? Yeah, this this come up a lot. Charity auctions, you never know. Like Gary Vee and those guys were doing a bunch of stuff at the beginning of COVID, right? They had a lot of giveaways and givebacks where they would sell experiences like that. So we'll put that on the list, Yam, for for the next birthday, I guess. (laughs) I love stuff. (laughs) How about you? just weird because if I buy time with a specific person, it's like you're putting that person in a pedestal and then it's like, why? It's just a person. Okay, I would buy the Amazonian forest so that no one would be able to cut trees down there. There it is. That's something I would do. I would buy the entire thing and anybody that tries to get in gets eliminated. Is it for sale though? (laughs) That went dark pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Protect the earth. It will be eliminated. I guess theoretically, yes, it is, right? Most of it is, right? Yeah, it would be expensive, but yeah, absolutely. 
Interesting. Yeah. I got it. Or maybe if they don't agree to those terms, then they have to plant a tree there and then you kick them out. There you go. Yeah. And by eliminated, I didn't mean like eliminating, like I'm a robot or a droid and I'm eliminating people that go in. I just meant like they're out. They're out. I understand. I understand. Okay. I assumed as much, but thank you for clarifying. Welcome. <laughs> Question number nine. Okay. A little easier. Raf, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I think I hugged Jam like 13 minutes before. And then I was doing paperwork, paperwork and paperwork. Oh boy, a lot of paperwork. Yep. Not fun. Terrible. Yes, paperwork is agreed. Hashtag terrible. Yam, how about you? What I was literally doing is not interesting. So I will say what I was doing right before that was I was in a call, like a weekly call. Yeah, but I'm not gonna say that I was peeing, right? Because that's literally what I was doing right before the call. Way more interesting than the call. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there you go. you'll know that she wasn't hugging me. That it was no hug on the other side. There was none. no because I literally went to the bathroom right before I came here. So okay. that was after the hug. You're right. Good clarification. Okay. Last one. Raf, question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm looking at all the cardboard boxes here. I'm going to close some cardboard boxes and prepare them for stuff. We are moving lots of things in the house. Ah, got it. Okay, cool. Yam, how about you? I have an interview with a potential candidate for a role of women. All right. Expanding the team. Like to hear it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, hey, that is Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Lots of fun. I think we're ready to move on to segment number three, which is a sponsored hot topic for today. And it's all about little heroes. So world-renowned artist Edgar Plans has entered the metaverse with a bang. Edgar's art, once breaking records in auction houses like Christie's, is now breaking boundaries in Web3 and beyond. His NFT collection of hand-drawn little heroes are playful and mischievous, all while raising awareness around heavy socio-political issues such as gender violence, racism, and climate change. In other words, these little heroes are on a mission to make the world a better place. So Little Heroes launched in January of this year with 7,777 NFTs and sold out in like 45 minutes, super fast, raised $12 million and has since seen over 18,000 ETH traded and a Discord community form with almost 100,000 members, massive. So we're joined today by Daniel Eilenberg, founder of Little Heroes, to give us a hot take on what's popping with the project. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, brother, tell us a little bit about this, man. Like, how did the concept come together for Little Heroes? How did it form? Absolutely. So the idea of Little Heroes really came about, we at Exile Studio, the parent company of Little Heroes, we are an entertainment studio. We produce films, TV, music, and so on. And a friend of mine who's a collector told me about this artist that we had to check out called Edgar Plans. And... As soon as I saw Edgar's work, and if you take a look at his paintings, I think you'll see the same. We thought this is perfect to create an animated series and an animated franchise around these characters. They're just incredibly sort of sweet and sort of digestible and friendly. And so we started those conversations with Edgar a little bit over a year ago. And as we saw the NFT develop amazing projects like World of Women come up, 
we realized that the right way to start this project, to build a community, to build fandom around what we were hoping to build into the future was through the launch of the NFTs. And so that's where we started. Wow. And you can't have heroes without villains, I guess, right? And so this is part of the hot take here is what's happening with villains now coming up this year. Absolutely. So as we think about expanding that entertainment brand and franchise that we're building, we couldn't have the little heroes without the little villains. And so we are currently building a new collection. It's called Little Villains. It's coming out pretty amazing. And we're also thinking in terms of utility, it'll bring new utility into the collection. So we'll be minting, again, 7,777. If you have a little hero, you'll be able to claim a little villain for free, and the surplus of those will make available to expand the community. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like some similar thinking with World of Women Galaxy, just around making what you're doing more accessible to more folks and sort of increasing the amount of IP that you have to offer brand partnerships, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. And you've got this training camp, which is a really innovative initiative in the space. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so training camp, you know, the way we think about it is sort of a gamified version of sort of what other projects are doing as staking. But in this case, we don't want to tie it to sort of a yield or a financial return. These are not financial instruments, they're art. So we've built this sort of gamification around that where you'll send your little heroes and your little villains to training camp uh, and you'll receive rewards, access to Edgar's art. And something that we're really excited about, evolving traits for the NFTs. And we'll reveal a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. Amazing. And one of the other distinctive things that we saw here about the project is just the massive growth of your Discord community in a relatively short period of time. So many people strive to craft communities to inspire engagement. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you created such an immense community in such a short period of time. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that we weren't also surprised by their response. I think it was a combination of things. I think long before we launched Little Heroes, Edgar's had a long career as an artist. He's really well established in the contemporary art world. His paintings sell in secondary market for about half a million dollars. And so there was a really large following just around his art and around the opportunity of owning a piece of art by Edgar at a completely different price point from, from where his art is at, is at today. And so I think it was a combination of that. Plus, we had a strong roadmap with a long-term vision of building an entertainment franchise and the project is backed by a studio and people that have done this in the past that have a lot of experience building brands and IP. And I think that that sort of set us apart and gave people confidence about the long-term vision of this. Yeah, it's an amazing one. And again, massive community, really hard to build a community like that. But it sounds like all the pieces that you mentioned came together and this is the result and still growing right to this day. So amazing. Yeah. And just looking at the art, it's just so distinctive and interesting from the facial expressions to the attributes, to the colors. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I think people really responded to the characters when we, when we launched them. 
And so you have this, uh, you mentioned it, the TV series coming up. I think Carmelo Anthony, again, thinking about what are these ingredients of like cool stuff that comes together to inspire following and community. But Carmelo Anthony, the soon to be Hall of Fame NBA player, he's going to executive produce and you have support from all kinds of people. Jay Blavin, a Nobel Prize winner, right? Maria Ressa, DJ Khaled, Will I Am, like amazing mix of people supporting this thing. Tell us a little bit about that TV series in more depth. Absolutely. So we're starting to develop that TV show. For us, I think from the inception of the project, we thought really hard about a couple of challenges that we see traditionally in Hollywood. One is the creation of IP. Hollywood is very good at finding IP elsewhere and then adapting it for TV shows and series. Not so great since the early days of Disney, probably, with a few exceptions, at creating brand new IP. And so we really wanted to sort of test these new technologies and these new opportunities to create fandom and community to build a television show in a different way. One, starting with the fandom and building that community around it, but also making that development process a little bit more participatory and to bring our community into the development process. When you watch a film, usually all of these things are built in an ivory tower away from the public's eye, and you only get to see the final product. And we thought it'd be a lot of fun to actually build this with the community in a more participatory way and sort of bring them into the process of creating a show. And so that's sort of what we're building. And we have some incredible partners along for the ride, as you mentioned, Carmelo Anthony's an executive producer. We also brought the former president of Hasbro Studios, Stephen Davis, who led G.I. Joe and My Little Pony and Transformers and the creation of some really meaningful pop culture franchises as we build this and we're finalizing right now negotiations with a really well-established Hollywood showrunner and we'll be opening up a sort of virtual writer's room for our community to participate very soon. That's really, really exciting. And I love that we have two incredible projects with some incredible IP on the show at the same time, both committed to making a bigger impact in the world. And it seems like you're really focused on bringing awareness to some pretty heavy issues like social political issues, including gender violence, racism, climate change. How are you going about that? Yeah. So first of all, I think we have a lot to learn from World of Women and the work that they've done in that space is really commendable and something that we really look at and are learning. We actually saw that they made their collection carbon neutral and something that we are looking to do as well. So far, we've done a couple of things. We did an auction with Philips in Hong Kong to raise funds for Save the Children in Ukraine at the offset of the war and raise some funds for that. We also launched a project with a foundation called Project Hue that teaches shark fishing communities in Southeast Asia, sort of trains those communities to make a living, not out of killing the sharks, but with shark tourism, and diving and so on. And so they run these amazing training programs, as I said, to sort of prevent or help shark conservation. And so we partner with them to fund a bunch of those programs around ocean conservation. And I think that it's something that's very important for us at Little Heroes that we think about a lot at the end of the day, communities, especially virtual communities that are not just sort of determined by a location, but sort of these digital communities that come together tend to come together because people 
care about an objective, a common goal. They sort of share some commonality. And we want the commonality around little heroes to create real world heroes, to have a community of people that want to have a net positive impact in the world that we live in. And that is really sort of core to everything that we do and are looking to do it in the future. Yeah, we all need a hero in our lives for sure. Raf, yeah, many thoughts for Daniel? First, I want to get back on what Daniel was mentioning before. I love the concept and idea of virtual writer's room. It's been on our mind for so long, but we have been struggling, to be honest, to implement it, to make it work. Every time we think about, oh, that would be amazing. Ah, but if we do that, then this might not work. But I think a virtual writer room is open to the community is really something we have in our mind as well, whether it's for the brand and the franchise storytelling as a whole, but also with our relationship with our own co-production company, Hello Sunshine, in developing the IP. So I think that's a great idea. And then we completely agree on the fact that our community, much like the one of Little Heroes, are aligned behind a common goal. And I like what you said about uh, being aligned behind having everybody be heroes in the real world or have a net positive impact. I think our communities are really like-minded in this matter. Really, That's the feeling we've had since the beginning. And by the way, we share with you guys, we're part of the same company as Hello Sunshine. We were acquired by Candle Media, which owns Hello oh. Sunshine. So exactly, <laughs> we're cousins somehow. That's cute. <laughs> well, this is an amazing project. So we definitely want our listeners to be able to follow everything you're doing, Daniel, and support you and cheer you on. Where should folks go to make sure that they are staying abreast of everything you have happening? Yeah, I think our Twitter is a really good place to start. It's at Little Heroes NFT. It's L-I-L Heroes NFT. And I would suggest from there, find the link to the Discord to make sure you're on the right server. And that's really the heartbeat of the community. Amazing. And do we have a date for Little Villains? Not yet. We'll be announcing it in the next week or two. We're actually in the audit right now. So you just want to make get over that hump of course. to have a definitive date. Yeah. All right. Cool. And hey, word on the street though, is that we do have a little giveaway plan for our listeners as well. You want to give us a scoop on that? Absolutely. So we'll be giving three little heroes NFTs, which in turn will give you the ability to claim little villains. And we'll also giving 150 preferential allow list spots to enter, just follow at little heroes NFT, again, L-I-L Heroes NFT on Twitter and Instagram. Join the Discord and retweet this podcast episode with the hashtag LittleVillainsMint. Again, L-I-L VillainsMint, and you'll be able to get on the list. Amazing stuff. Yeah, so keep an eye on our socials. We'll give all those details again out there and give everybody out here listening a chance to win those sweet little heroes and then little villains. So Daniel- yeah. Dude, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Really exciting stuff. Yeah, Daniel, it's an honor to have you at NFTLA and we'll look forward to having you back in March 20th through the 23rd, 2023. So that's 32023, 2023. A lot of threes. Awesome. Count on it. We like fun numbers. All right, brother. Talk soon. Thank you, guys. All right, y'all. Well, again, thanks again to Daniel for coming on, sharing with us some serendipity in there around relationships and commonalities between the projects. Very cool. We wanted to take a moment here and do something that we do every so often. And that's just give a little shout out also to one of our listeners. Uh, That person is at Sissa Loves Being Alive. She has been super duper engaged on our socials, spreading the word, 
throughout the community about what we're doing here at the edge of company, edge of NFT, as well as NFTLA and lots of other things that we're involved with. So just wanted to give at Sissa Loves Being Alive a little shout out here. And we also, by the way, know her boyfriend, Ben Yerkeson, which is from uh, BU Labs. And he joined us out of NFTLA and someone we also featured on the podcast previously when we were at NFTMYC. So again, really cool, fun members of our community that we just wanted to give a little love to. So much love at Sissa Loves Being Alive. All right. Well, I think that we are pretty much at the end of this episode for today. But before we break, we do want to give all of our listeners an opportunity to know where they should go to follow World of Women and what you, Yam and Raf are up to individually as well. So where should we send them? Well, you can find us on Twitter. We're World of Women NFT. And you can find us as well on Instagram. We have the same name. And if you want to dig deeper into what we do, you can go to our website. It's worldofwomen.art. And you can learn all about the team, what we're up to, what we've done so far, who we are. Beautiful. And yeah. we are actually on Instagram, worldofwomen.nft on Instagram. Mm. And Discord, we have a cool uh, URL on Discord as well, which where our community lives, which is discord.gg yes. slash worldofwomen. Of course, go to Twitter to find the link otherwise, but it's discord.gg slash worldofwomen. Yam, what is your personal Twitter account? I think that my Twitter account is Waikarkai. <laughs> I literally am not sure, but I think it's Wyke Archive. Yes, it is. And it Raf's is. Instagram account is Raf Fat. So R A P H F A C. Yeah, it's my Twitter account, not my Instagram account. I don't exist on Instagram. Well, there it is, y'all. Oh, no. At least not as far as you know, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, follow these folks, guys. There's so many amazing things going on. I'm sure you've heard throughout the episode about their authentic vision and how much it's impacting the space. So if you want to stay up to, to speed on all this stuff, follow them and don't miss out. So look, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thank you for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.